Welcome back to Set the Table. This is episode 10, and I am excited to announce that this is our first guest episode. I am John, and with me as always is Jack. Hey there. How's it going, eh? And uh, with us for this episode is a longtime friend of mine, a player in one of my games, DM for a game that I play in, uh, Thornton Raskovitz. Hey, Thornton, how are you? Hey, um, I'm good. Known each, other, known each other since short pants. I had a feeling you were going to make the short pants reference, so I'm glad you did. <laughs> uh, so here on Set the Table, we talk about tabletop role-playing games uh, and hopefully bring experiences, tips, teachable moments that can help you uh, bring your DM-GM skills from beginner up to good all the way to great. Uh, and so... Thornton, I don't know if you're a, a listener of the show or not, but we tend to start off with talking about whatever we played in the past two weeks. Um, so I ran our main game of 5e. Uh, we sort of unexpectedly, inconveniently were missing a member um, that I wasn't sure wasn't coming. So we had a, a little bit of a hiccup there at the beginning. Um, and then after identifying that that player actually wasn't showing up, uh, I encouraged you actually, Thornton, to uh, examine an item in your inventory, which led to a uh, a scene that I had prepared and a couple encounters that I had not, um, along with a pretty interesting experience at the end for uh, a Thorion, your warlock, and his patron. Um, I do these, I think I've mentioned it on the show before, but I have created a homebrew magical quest artifact for each of my uh, players' characters. And uh, Athorion got his and got his first point of XP for it. So uh, it was a pretty good session, and I am super excited for the next couple of sessions. Jack, would you play? Yeah. Well, we, I didn't know if you were going to branch off into 7th C or not, but I am, uh, we we started, you and I had started uh, kind of a session negative one. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, an excellent way to describe that. With uh, with some 7th C, uh, I've got a, a module or an adventure uh, that I want to publish to the Explorers Guild, but I want to play test it before I try to get it published. Even though I know, yes, you can send anything to Drive Through RPG, uh, and and they'll let you put it up there. But I, you know, it's I want to make sure that it's okay before we just go throwing stuff up there. So um, that's we started that right, and um, I sent out the the story right because Seven C is is very different than Five E. Uh, so you, you could start thinking about your character, uh, and you're having trouble making a character because we don't have any other players. Uh, a little bit, um, yeah. I, so I, I think part of it too it's is hard that. To... Oh. Oh. Go, go ahead. I thought I, I thought I heard something, so I didn't want to talk over you. Um, so yeah, it's it's we're gonna get a couple more folks uh to play and then uh, and then we can we can launch that adventure uh my monday night 5e game my evil snack nerblin bard uh has uh she is doing um 
she's uh, doing her lounge singer job and uh, she started a conga line, uh, got the whole bar uh, singing the banana boat song from uh, Harry Belafonte, got a whole thing going, natural 20 on her uh, performance role. Ooh. And uh, so she is she is living large and she's trying to reconnect with some drow, hopefully to get her out of the situation that she's in and back to uh, the outskirts of Chednazad where her noble family lives. She's a accountant for a drow, noble drow household. Uh, and she's trying to go home. Very she's, cool. she's had enough. She's, she's had enough of sick of, of the surface. And uh, and she's not she's not gonna actively kill them because they've been pretty good to her. So she's not gonna you know go out of her way to 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 end their lives. But <laughs> uh, she's she's done with what what's been going on lately. So uh, cool. I don't know if that'll get me kicked out of the group or not. But we'll see how it goes. Nice. I love hearing about Dolrea. She's a a very very interesting character. Um, Thornton, do you want to chime in anything on our session from this past week? Yeah, I don't know how much the uh, listeners know about my characters and the way I play them, but of course I'm player in John's 5e campaign. Um, I had did not DM in the last week or so, but I did participate in a session zero for one of my other friends who's setting up a campaign with some of his friends from back home, and so I got to design a new character, which is you know a third of the fun anyway. <laughs> You made a new one. You didn't just pull from your portfolio of yeah, twelve. Yeah, I made a ready. full new one. Yep. Nice. Uh, what'd you make? A Tabaxi swashbuckler rogue. Ooh, that's um, uh, that's different for you. Eh, it's not that different. Hmm. All right. You know, because you know, well, I like to roll big dice and make big numbers. That's that is true. Um. So I, we'll get a little bit more what? into play style because uh, I want to ask you about that a little bit as it pertained to. Well, I have your... questions too now. Okay, yeah, go for it. So my my character previous to my frightening Neblin uh, bard was a Tabaxi monk, and when I role played him, I it just it just happened, right, uh, that I flew into uh, my elsewhere dialect. Uh, from Skyrim, mm. so mm-hmm. um, I, I stopped using personal pronouns and I started rolling my R's. Uh, and I was just wondering, what voice do you do for Tabaxi's? If you do a different voice than your normal one, um, well, it's funny you ask because right now I actually have two Tabaxi's that I'm playing. Um, one in one of John's, in kind of one of the off campaigns that we run occasionally and that John runs, and then one in, in my friend's campaign. Um, the one in my friend's campaign is very much like Egyptian. So kind of, you know, the North African, you know, talking like that. And again, it, it's a bad accent, but <laughs> the place doesn't actually... You know, Egypt doesn't exist in that world. So it's a perfect accent for the place where he's from. It just happens to resemble Earth, North African. And then the one for uh, the character in John's campaign that I've played, um, his name is Four Fingers. He actually has all five fingers. 
<laughs> he doesn't know why he's named Four Fingers. His parents never told him. He doesn't know and, a whole uh, lot. <laughs> well, he's he's very much played as a cat. Yeah. He's very fickle. He loses interest in things. Sometimes he just like drops gold because he's bored with it. Um, <laughs> this one is not as shiny as it used to be. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't he doesn't necessarily talk in the the elsewhere accent, but but it's not not the elsewhere accent. So yeah, it's like you're it's like a yeah. mild. Yeah, yeah. Mild he's a lot of fun. Yep. Mild. <laughs> yeah, he's no, I... he's batshit. And and that's kind of I when I so my my Tabaxi monk, uh, drunken master. His name was Steps on Tails. <laughs> uh, and that's and funny. his dump stat was intelligence. So he was very wise, but not very smart. Yeah, yeah. Which was was fabulous. The uh, an NPC handed poor Steps on Tail uh, a note. He picked it up wrong and said, well, there's nothing on this side. The letters must have fallen off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, good. And yeah, then, we've, and we've then heard in, some good steps on tail scene, stories. Yeah, and in, in another scene, I don't know if I told this story. I may have already. Um, the NPC goes, we've got to figure out how many people are in the Thieves Guild and who, who's hiding out in that building. And he's like, okay, fine. He walks up. Hey, how many people you got in that building? <laughs> And the rest of the party's like, we're leaving. Like, we're not fighting these people, you idiot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm sure that worked well. It actually did work out kind of kind of okay. <laughs> the, the Thieves Guild were like, who the hell is this guy and why is he knocking on our door? <laughs> Subverting expectations. That's right. <laughs> uh, this cat's got brass balls. So, so last episode, uh, we were talking about death and drama, and uh, this time we're going to do a pretty full 180 and talk about getting started, uh, not as a player, but as a DM. Uh, Thornton, you kind of recently, uh, I think that was your the first game that you've DM'd, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that okay. was the, the very first game. Um, and, and so... As a as a new DM uh, on a show that is geared towards, you know, new new DMs uh, at least at this stage, uh, we thought that it would be prudent to bring you on. Um, I'm gonna sort of round robin interview roundtable style this, and uh, we'll get some questions going. Um, talk about why you DM'd and sort of how you went about that, uh, and then sort of go from there. Uh, so if you wanna introduce yourself a little bit um, with sort of what your experience with tabletop role-playing games is, character archetypes you like to play, and sort of whatever else you feel like sharing at this point? Yeah, um, of course, my name's Thornton. I kind of already introduced myself. I'm, I recently, like this week, finished my master's program, um, so I now I'm a master of science. You know, I've already said it, but I'll say it again. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well work. done. Congratulations. Um, but my tabletop role-playing experience is, at this point, relatively extensive, but it only go ba goes back, you know, what is it now, two years? Yep, it'll be two um, years in June that we started our, our game. game. But we play 
what three hours every week for for two years for in in one campaign which is which is more than a lot of campaigns get to mm-hmm. um and you know and and what we came to find was that you know there were days where you know people couldn't show up this sort of thing so the main campaign wouldn't really work and i wanted to figure out how a way that we could still play because i enjoyed playing so much and uh i think everybody you know personally i needed that outlet as a stress relief going to graduate school me too just just in general (laughs) yeah yeah no i think that's a a pretty common you know escapism is a a pretty common thing Mm -hmm. that you need in in everyday life and so I, I tried to come up with a campaign that I could run um, where we could just kind of have a very flexible pool of players and it would be, it wouldn't really matter if people missed a session, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so that was how I really got my, my, my start in being a DM because um, in my campaign, it's very much a dungeon master, not a game master or whatever. <laughs> right. It's literally a single ju- dungeon. Um, and and I, I don't know oh, if it's come up yet, but uh, the, the game that you ran is, is in 5e. Uh, we try to yes. keep it pretty system agnostic around here a lot of the time, but I think today it's going to be uh, quite a bit of, of 5e vibes. Yeah, I mean, 5e is what I know. Um, I, I know the rules pretty well um, in terms of player style. I'm a little bit of a rules lawyer. Um, I, I try to not be as much as I can kind of hold that back, but I, I do sometimes point out rule uh, minutia. No, that's okay. Uh, we, we did talk about player types recently as well, um, and one of the, the benefits to having a rules lawyer was that the DM doesn't have to be the only one responsible for knowing the plethora of rules. So it's, yeah. it's kind of nice when you're there and you're like, wait a second, that barbarian, should ha- you, you should have advantage. It's like, oh, I didn't even know. Thanks for telling yeah. me. You need to roll that with advantage. Or, oh, I'm asleep. That, that's an autocrit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, whatever. And in terms of players, I, I, in terms of as a player, I, I should say that I prefer being a player. Um, I like that kind of personal investment because as a, as a DM, I always kind of feel like I'm playing to lose, which is weird. And that's probably not how I should go about thinking about it, but I really enjoy being a player and kind of living in the worlds that, that the DMs create. And I tend to create characters that, um, again, they they hit for big numbers. Maybe they don't hit consistently. Maybe they don't. They they tend to be very good at one thing. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> As yeah. evidenced in last week's session. <laughs> yeah. You know when where I, you know, if I can get my warlock to crit, things die. Um, so I, I, I took a note of it and I want to circle, I, we may circle back to it, but playing to lose as the DM is a, that was, it struck me as pretty interesting. Um, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like well, yeah, you never get to kill the players? 
Well, not that I I don't get to kill the players, because I do recall that you went off by you as a player, John, went off by yourself on that first day, and and you fought something alone that you probably shouldn't have. Eh, that's what my character would have done. Yeah, no, that's fine. And uh, and I did get to down him. I didn't kill him, but I did get to down him. That was that was kind of fun. But <laughs> in general, you know. You're playing to create challenges for the players and to engage the players, but you're creating challenges that are doable. Most of you the know. time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or or the challenge is for the players to realize that, hey, we really need to run away. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> Osric should not have fought the armor. You guys should not have followed the, the rock that carried Zazvid away. <laughs> We've had our moments. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but you're creating these challenges for players, but they're supposed to succeed almost always. It's supposed to be doable. It may Mm. be challenging and that's what makes it fun, but you have to work at it. Yeah. And you have to, you have to know what you're doing and, and, and do things in a smart manner. Um, you can't just, you know, face roll everything. Unless you're playing a totem barbarian, that's, <laughs> and then that's all you do. But, but you know what I mean, where yeah, where you're creating challenges to be completed, rather than than playing to to beat the players. You're playing to help the players succeed and mm-hmm. have fun. Yeah, you definitely don't want it to feel like like players versus the dm unless that's sort of what you're going for and you establish that in your session zero and it's like hey i I want you guys to try real hard but i'm gonna try real hard too and it's gonna be a shit show but we're gonna have fun with it Mm -hmm. well that's 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 because you guys are playing 5e right yeah which is 5e is a collective story see it's it's very similar to the to to 7th c right you You've got a story that you're trying to experience as a group where uh, I think if Thornton GM'd a session of paranoia, um, <laughs> you might not feel that way because you're, every, every clone is expecting to die at least twice. In fact, if you don't die three times, you won't get full experience points for the game. Uh, and- I, I need a Thornton DM'd paranoia game now. And, and and there's and there's either a deck or a die or a table of computer behaviors, and somebody does something weird or wrong, or they actually the players roll the computer die. Every time the computer comes up on the computer die, right? You flip, you go to your table, or you, you flip up uh, a card off the top of the deck, or uh, if you if you really love being the computer and screwing over your characters, <laughs> uh, you, you do stuff to them. I, I, we we were playing one game. Uh, I played a parent. I GM to paranoia uh, game, and these two clones were startled and they hugged each other. And one of them rolled the computer die. It's like the computer senses that you're touching each other inappropriately. You cannot continue this adventure until you take online sexual harassment training. The nearest terminal is seven kilometers away. Please start running. <laughs> and the players are like, what the hell? It's like, sorry, that's the, the computer says you have to do it. You have to do it. Well, welcome to paranoia. <laughs> welcome to paranoia. 
uh, or or if you judge DCC, right? Again, that's another one of those systems where it's very much. In fact, that's why you're called a judge and not a DM. Uh, you're there to kill players, and and it's just that's part of the game itself. So uh, I think I think that play to lose feeling is system dependent. Um, but if but again. And if it's if it's something that you can play through, or if it's if it's like I feel this way, but I'm not really bothered by it, then mm-hmm. you, you don't need to go shopping for systems. But there are systems out there that will uh, not give you that that sense. You can actually win as the, as the judge or, the, as, or as the computer in Paranormal. Hmm. Yeah, that could be uh, yeah. that could be very cool. Well, of course, my question then though is that. You know, as the DM, you're trying to have fun, yeah, because, of course, that's the whole point. It's a game. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're also trying to help your players have fun. And as as a player myself, you know, I don't like losing. Um, I don't think losing is fun. I like I, I like rolling big damage dice is what I like doing. And I like seeing things die. And maybe that says something about me psychologically. Who knows? <laughs> but <laughs> that's my other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, you're you're maybe it's not playing to lose, but maybe it's it's you're playing to facilitate the fun for other people. Yeah, and it's it's less about you having fun even though you have fun like if you have fun with it um, yeah i'm definitely like the chronic dm type player like i end up dming more often than not but i'd also rather dm than play nine times out of ten um you know i'm not sitting there writing my story thinking man i wish i could be playing a game instead of prepping this uh because i i i just love dm i love creating the narrative and watching you guys find out different parts of it and experience these these weird fantastical settings and adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that, I think, I had this in the notes for later, but I brought it up. Um, part of that being, you know, the chronic DM for me is that I, I talked about it on the player types episode that I'm kind of a, a bit of an alpha gamer. Um, and it, it's hard for me to take a backseat when I'm playing, uh, especially in a system that I'm real familiar with. Uh, so in that first, maybe, I forget if it was the first or the second session of the, the alt game that we played where the, yep. uh, the dark mantles happened. Um, mm-hmm. and they, they are supposed to roll concentration saves cause they cast darkness as though it were a spell. Um, but that's okay. Still had fun. Didn't make a stink about it because I wanted to, you know, respect your DM space. Um, and at the end of the day, everyone had fun, so that's what matters. Uh, but it's it's trickier for me to to do that. Um, and I, maybe that's just why I, I like DMing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, sometimes as a DM, some of the NPCs... I. I want to see them murdered, like the, the villain, the bad guy. 
um, some some of those some of those NPCs that I create or that I've I've I, I play a lot of modules versus home homebrew, but I'll read through the module and I'll go, God, this guy is an a hole. I hope they kick this, this crap out of him. <laughs> I haven't and, done and too many be, of those. It's got to be rewarding for the players, right? They can't just show up and go. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna pluck one of his nose hairs. Oh, he falls over dead. You rolled a three. You still kill him. Yeah, you're done. He's dead. Um, you know, you, you've got to. He's got to be a challenge, um, and and it's got to be rewarding when you're finished, right? The whole hero's journey, uh, Joseph Campbell stuff. But at the end, when the party finally gets him, it's like, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad they got rid of this guy. I wish I, that I, I could. I, Oh, go ahead. I said it. it's just you you portray this character, uh, but I don't get invested in the in in some of the villains. I just don't get invested in them as as characters. Or it's like, yeah, they've got a story and they're trying to accomplish this thing, but they're complete jerks. So um, it's different. My my characters that I create and and play, I have a much better affinity for than some of the some of the villains. Hmm. See, my problem is that my players are 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 a little too good to the point where I've I had a an NPC uh, that and I like to do lots of uh, I think of it as as like tree branches where if I've got a character they've got to have at least like two sort of branches that they could take like maybe they're a total scumbag but maybe they're redeemable. Um, and I, I had a an NPC. Uh, it was a, a Cambian fighter. His name is Ragruzan. Uh, he was the alleged brother of one of Thornton's previous characters. Uh, and the first time that the party met him, I was <coughs> so like, bad. "Oh, they're either gonna kill him, but maybe Zazvit will side with him." And he did like eight damage the whole fight. Because they had him entangled and knocked prone, and every attack with disadvantage, and like I, I could not have had him be any any more killed than he got. Like even if I wanted him dead, it would have it would have happened real hard. So yeah, I, we, I don't know that I get to up. hate my NPCs because my players just kill them so quickly. <laughs> Um, so Thornton, when you, we sort of covered why you wanted to DM, we had some scheduling issues and you wanted to try to help mm -hmm. fill the gap there. Um, what, and you also sort of talked about like what, what you went about picking, like 5e was the system that you were most familiar with, that you had the most experience playing, um, mm -hmm. You knew, you talked a little bit about, you know, you knew that you wanted it to be that very, very, very traditional, you're in a dungeon, crawl. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. What sort of what sort of preparation went into that physically, digitally, since we play online, or mentally for you as you got ready to run that game? Well, of course, the entire campaign, it being an off campaign um, for, for weeks where you know, our normal campaign, you know, wasn't going to work. Um, the only way that 
that was going to work out was that I was going to have a very short planning period. And of course, as a graduate student myself, very busy, like all the time, you know, I teach classes, I do my own research, I have to do all my own writing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I wanted a campaign that I could put together in a couple hours, you know, rather than something that I would have to build out a flesh, a fleshed out world and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what I did is I, I essentially created a realm that exists in like a coffee room of the, of the big bad evil guy. And it's essentially a game show that's run by this ancient evil wizard because he's bored. Um, so you, the, it, what he does is he, he plucks heroes from outside and essentially throws them together in this dungeon. And that way I can also take into account the, the shifting players that I have with little to no explanation. Well, mm-hmm. well, the wizard pulled this, pulled this one character out, plopped this other one in there. Um, we, we had a character way, switch at one point and it was just that he, he, did he trade or did he sell the, he, he traded orcs basically. Yeah. Yeah. He traded orcs with another, with another wizard who runs a similar group. Um, and what's funny is Jack was talking about, you know, how you, you come across these scumbag NPCs and boy, do I hate that wizard. Oh, he sucks. He really does. You did. You did make just, him just hateable. so much. And he's and he's supposed to be hateable. Like he's supposed to be a terrible, terrible person. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm glad that that came across. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but because of that, it it kind of pigeonholes me into a very one style of campaign, which is very combat focused. Um. There's been a couple puzzles, too, and I get to do fun things with, you know, you know. I, I think to myself, I, I read through the monster mail, and I'm like, oh, what if this person showed up with one of these, and what kind of in fun interactions could they they have together? And, you know, synergies, monster synergies, essentially, mm. in trying to, to challenge my, my player group. That sounds like something uh, a rules lawyer would do. You know, you've got all this knowledge of all these things. How can I make these monsters interact together to be even worse? <laughs> yep. Yep. But of course, the campaign is supposed to be, you know, it's combat oriented. It's supposed to be difficult in terms of combat. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it has been. <laughs> Yeah. But not impossible, though. You did a good job no. with like the hard to deadly without actually being murderous. Murderous. Yeah, and of course, uh, and I think the one of the important parts about telling players is to let them know that beforehand. Mm-hmm. So when I was, I when I had you all building characters, I, I told you that this was going to be a combat focused campaign, and that. You know, there's literally two NPCs um, that I have to actually keep track of for more than, you know, 20 minutes until you guys murder them. Mm-hmm. 
and oh, I want to. Osterig and, wants to kill Wux so bad. <laughs> Wux, uh, for for those of you who don't know, Wux is a gazer who's essentially being used as a arcane eye. He's the camera for the game show that this that this uh, wizard is running. You know, he's this little guy that that follows the uh, little, the party around. Little watching guy. What do. He's a little scumbag. My problem. It's one of we and we've talked about Osric on the show before. We had like a, a whole half hour at the end of the alignment episode to talk about my inability to to. I don't know, play or reconcile that. Um, and part of that was just me building a character that I, I really liked and putting more into the backstory than I needed to for the campaign. And I, I knew. Yeah. I knew exactly what to expect. You outlined that very well in our session zero. So that was a, a my B. But I, I think it's good. <laughs> well, you also, again, it's important to play a character that you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and while a dungeon grind campaign like that is a good one to try out characters um, and see if you like that kind of play style, you know, it's, it's, you should always play something that you can have fun with. Definitely. And I, I hadn't, I have played paladins and clerics often before. It's kind of, kind of my go-to if I ever need to just whip one out, but I had not played uh, an evil oathbreaker in in a tabletop RPG, so um, it's interesting. I, it's I don't. It's hard to not be the dick, but still be his character, because he's mm -hmm. he's pissed off that he's there. Like he had a life and he had goals and things that he wanted to do, and then he gets pulled in by this dick of a wizard and this twitchy little gazer who he would love to just tear the eyeballs right off of. Um, but, but can't. And so now he is wrestling with his inner demons and now he's trapped and he's with a bugbear he doesn't trust and an orc who's slower than a child. And <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's good. It's tons of fun. Yeah. Of course, occupying the headspace of somebody, you know, somebody different. Or yeah. maybe it's, you know, Oftentimes, I find myself playing characters who are kind of the manifest manifestations of my id a little bit. But, uh, you know, occupying some a different headspace than your own is, is fun sometimes. Yeah, I think what I've noticed, especially in playing with a lot of... Because uh, I've run, a, like, workshops and, and, and one-shots for, for different first-timer groups um, in, in previous jobs. And... I think most people, the first time they play a, a tabletop RPG, they try to play something that is very much like them or what they would like to be, or they play the polar opposite. Uh, and this was sort of the polar opposite for me. Um, and it was weird, but interesting. I don't know. It was still a paladin. Yeah, yeah. Not. I, I didn't go. Full, I didn't go full opposite. <laughs> As Scott Johnson would say, you never go full nutbag. Um, so uh, we 
we talked a little bit about um, sort of respecting a new DM space, uh, especially if you're a, mm-hmm. a seasoned DM or a seasoned player playing with somebody who's a first-time DM. Um, and I, I think that I did uh, did okay at that. I feel like I stepped on your toes in that game less than I stepped on like Dave's toes in that Pathfinder one-shot we did. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I stepped on his toes, well, but man, I... Playing. Hmm? That's because you were playing Pathfinder and you don't like Paizo. I am I am not a huge Pathfinder fan, um, which I, I know is a little weird. And I am not a fan of campaign hooks that are unavoidable, which is kind of how that one started, which is fine. Right, after, right out of the gate, we're kind of okay once we're past that. Um, but I, you know, I... I I play when I play. I play to have choices, which is part of why part of my DM style. Because I DM and you have lots of choices, um, and I don't like to not have that in my fantasy. Um, so respecting a new DM space, um, and then we had one time where uh, we weren't. I forget the exact situation, uh, but we probably weren't going to play the main game and we might have played the alt game but you hadn't had it prepped um mm-hmm. how do you, like do you have a session of that prepped or how do you determine when and how much you prep for that and what are, what does your prep look like um essentially because it's it's such a simplistic campaign you know i have this giant giant dungeon you know, it's got like 176 rooms or something. And each room is essentially a combat encounter or a trap or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so what I have to do is I have to build, build combat encounters. And I always try to have a few of them kind of floating around in the back of my head. And of course, because it's a combat-focused campaign... I'm progressing the characters relatively quickly. So I'm always having to, okay, so what can I throw at them at this level? And what can I look at at this level? Okay, so I've got three players. What can I throw at them now? And so that I kind of have to go back through each time and have a list of, okay, I can put these stuff in and that'll work. Um, Now... The the specific session you're talking about, I was currently writing my thesis, so I was right. I was so busy that like there there were like three weeks I didn't see the sun. Yeesh. Um, <laughs> but it's done now, so right. So do, do you have a session of that prepped? Just curious. I have a session that's pretty much prepped it needs a little bit of uh polish put on it and i think i need one more encounter okay. but other than that it's 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 pretty well done um and and start to finish when you are prepping what do you what would you guess your your time ratio of prep to play is with something like that are you closer to a, a one-to-one or or even yeah less than that? i'm i'm pretty much a one-to-one okay so that's um, an hour of prep to about an hour of gameplay yeah. All right. Um, I think for for new DMs, 
uh, I think over prepping might make it easier to run the game than prepping like oh I th I think this will be good I think this is enough because um, <laughs> sometimes it is not and even you know I consider myself to be a, a fairly experienced DM um, and there are times that I think I'm over prepping and end up under prepping a little bit um, but with this campaign because I've been writing it for so long I think that I am. I think I've got a, a pretty solid handle on the prep. Um, but I also do a lot of world building in the meantime, um, which I wouldn't necessarily call prep for the game, but that contributes to stuff I can use in the game. Um, otherwise, I, I tend to do uh, more of like a, at least a two to one, two hours prep to one hour of of gameplay just to make sure that I have all of my my complicated story threads straight um, and that that session that we were just talking about uh, where we didn't play the main game and we didn't play the alt game that was I, I think that was the first session of our our first one shot tales from Ados but I wasn't calling it that yet mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and that for reference that's the one that four fingers is in yeah, that was the the dwarven mine, right? When James's friend was yeah. going to join us, and then bailed like twenty minutes in. Right. So that campaign, uh, that was uh, a two. I wasn't sure if it was going to be two sessions or three sessions. Um, so I'm looking at six to nine hours of play, and um, I spent. Of course, I did. I did tile sets and maps for that too. So that was, you know, maybe closer to three and a half of prep. Um, that was, you know, a couple hour, maybe an hour every day, and then the Saturday before the session was like eight hours of me building the maps and and making the tiles for that. But that's a lot. That's a lot of prep that I I didn't need to do, um, and I don't do that level of prep, at least in terms of uh, map design. For the main game, no. um, and you don't have a lot of you don't use tile sets and maps and that sort of thing, so that helps. Um, well, I I in that campaign that I'm running, I do have that base map. Yep. Um, which is it's just something I found on the internet, and then I do use tokens. Um, right. So it's not all a theater of the mind. So we kind of know where everything kind of is in relation to each other mm -hmm. but other than that there's there's really no map prep at all which again saves on my time yeah definitely um what was what was the what was the most challenging thing about prepping or running your first game that you dm'd um oof. not killing you <laughs> okay. I'd rolled pretty good on that. Uh what was it? Stealth? Uh yeah, I think so. Where you had fallen unconscious and the uh and the animated armor was deciding whether you were dead or not. It's a pretty low int monster, which yeah. I think was the reasoning that you gave for it. Yeah. Cuz you were you were all alone at that point. Yep. And had fought this monster with a pretty high HP that would have been very doable for three players, 
but for just one of you was was not a winning situation unless you did something very very creative right what about uh what about like the easiest part or the most fun part uh the most fun part is playing that wizard jeesh actually okay because he's such an asshole he's so terrible which is fun you know, to be, because in our main game, you kind of play, like, like Jack, you were talking about it a little bit earlier, 5e is, is mostly a cooperative experience. Um, so you don't really get the chance to do that in that game. But in this old game, Versath was a total scumbag. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, like evil doctor stereotype just kind of taken to the a level where it's 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 pretty nuts and it's fun to make you guys hate him hmm. jack do you feel that way about dolrea is it fun to make people afraid of you <laughs> um yeah there, there 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 is a there is definitely an element of um and 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 the and the thing that is that is just hilarious is uh, this Nerf Neblin or the the underdark uh, rock gnome is I mean she's forty four pounds soaking wet. Um, she has uh, her hair is is her pride and joy. Uh, it's it's a bright fuchsia pink and done in a World War Two victory roll where she keeps a dagger and a pen um, <laughs> and some other things. Um, and, and she's usually her, her armor has been fitted around her um, business suit. So like a 19 picture, like a 1940s mad men secretary. Um, that that's what she is. And she's wandering around like this and, and, and she's kind of the leader of the party. Uh, and, and yeah, she, uh, She's just terrifying, and and what's funny is, I get even as pl she'll. Once I get into that headspace, I start to get surprised by her own, um, her own actions and thoughts. It gets it gets a little meta, but um, she uh, she has a a pair of drow skin uh, boots that were given to her by a matron mother. Um, because one of the males in the house sassed her uh, in front of one of the ranking females. And they were like, um, no, yeah, she's not a drow, but she's here to do a job for a matron mother, and you just sassed her, so we're going to flay the skin off your back while you're alive, and she gets a pair of boots out of it. Oh, that's messed uh, up. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so so, so she's, she's with the party and she's got these boots and, 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 and that was in her backstory, right? I, the, the, the DM kind of signed off on it, but it was, you know, it's like, yeah, whatever. They're, they're not magical. They're just boots. Um, but there was a giant who was trying to step on her. And of course she's, she's a full seven bard. She cast hold person. Uh, and she's a bard of the college of whispers. So while the giant can't move, uh, she has him alone, and she uses words of terror, and she tells him the story of how she got her boots, and that 
if the giant thinks he's such a big man uh, to step on her, she's going to flay the bottom of his feet and make house slippers. Uh, and, and the giant's just like crying. And the rest of the party is, <laughs> I mean, the people I'm playing with, their characters are in a different room, so they're not hearing this at all. But the people I'm playing with are like, I am never going to cross that character <laughs> in my life. Like, she's frightening. I feel like Dorea um, is a case study in it, like really well built characters. It, well, I, maybe I I don't know. She's she's starting to get a little repetitive, but um, but and and she's the I think she's the only evil character in the party. Mm-hmm. So uh, we haven't had a lot of moral quandaries or or arguments. Uh, most of the other characters are neutral. Uh, there might be one good character in there, but but traditionally the neutral characters will distract the good character when Dalrea has to do something. Um, like we had a we had a a captive that we were questioning, and then we were done with him. So Dalrea is like, "I'm done with this guy." Hey, Paladin, why don't you take a walk down the down the uh, down the tunnel there and see what's next? I'll cast light on your hammer for you and everything. Go, <laughs> because she's just gonna cut his throat. And of course, the paladin one, you know, like, he's tied up. You can't cut his throat. It's like, I'm not going to untie him and arm him. What the hell's right. wrong with you? He's twice uh. my size. I'm going to cut him while he's laying down. <laughs> Man, yeah. Woof. She is, she is, she is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she is. But she's, uh, it, she's a lot of fun to play. A lot of fun to play. Um, I don't think that we had any, any, like player disputes or, or issues that arose that you had to moderate or deal with Thornton in that alt game so far. Yay? Nay? Um, not really. Because because of course that, that campaign is so straightforward. Um, there's very little RP or even RP opportunities. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah, you're playing in an an evil paladin but you're playing alongside a blood bear and a full orc. So, eh? Right? <laughs> it kind of <laughs> fits, even though he doesn't like them. Yeah. Yeah. We're, no, well, neither of them are evil characters, but, you know, they do. They look out for number one. Mm-hmm. Jack, and you guys you are all playing with in? folks that you are friendly with right you, you you're not playing with strangers these are people you've known for a long time yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's i i think that's a, a lot of a lot of that kind of stress at the table um at least in my opinion comes more from if you go to a game store and sit down with a bunch of strangers or you go to a game convention and you sit down with folks i mean a lot of people uh, are you... trying out the online thing with the the pandemic yes. stuff, so sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. That's that's and that's and I think I think if you play with people you with who are your friends and that you've known for a long time, um, then you you've kind of got that emotional intelligence. That's the wrong word. You've got that emotional background with other people, so it's like, boy, I know, I know this is gonna you know. <laughs> If I want to get under John's skin, I'm going to throw some yuan tea at him because he does not like snakes. 
Uh, I don't, and, but my characters right. might be okay with it. Right. If I want to mess that's... with my players, I throw moral quandaries at them and watch the bard lose his shit. <laughs> Which is unfair. I'm sorry, James. If you're listening, it's not targeting you. That whole adventure arc was built distinct or independent of, of Connie the Bard's existence. It just so happened that it was evocative for him as a character. It happens, right? Yeah. And, yeah. So Thornton, in your game, has a player or has any of the players, have they done something that was shocking and surprising and made you change gears? Um, not really. I mean, the okay. only thing, the only, number one, we haven't had that many sessions. Number two, it's again. It, I mean, it's a dungeon crawl. There are, you and, know, and it's you it's take hard, a left yeah, turn it's... or a right turn. Right. So, so, so the decision making and the RP is 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 very streamlined in that game, and I think Bersoth, the the evil wizard, made it very clear you know, what the penalty for, you know, disobedience would be. Death by Manticore. At this point, and it, it'll only get worse from there. <laughs> you know, once once you're above, you know, level three and a Manticore is something you can deal with, you know, it'll be something bigger and meaner. But at some point, my characters, if the campaign ever gets to there, are going to have to make a decision. Okay, do we think we're big enough and man enough to take on the wizard? Osric wants to. And at level three, the characters die. He's not a high intelligence right. character, though. So, just, like, just he, straight up. But, he hates you know, at level 17? Maybe. 17. Maybe. Yeah. Woof. You know, at some point that'll become a possibility. Okay. And that's and good that'll to know. Really be the, the 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 turning point of the of the campaign. That'll be interesting when when the players have really had enough of of this this wizard, who again is not only is he a terrible person, but I also tried to make him really really annoying. Yeah, the voice is pretty terrible. Do you want to give us a sample of that? Uh, yes. It is it's a very, 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 like, a German, German accent where it is just designed to be almost unintelligible and very annoying to just hear him talk at all. <laughs> Which it is, yeah. <laughs> you you yeah. listen to him mouth off to you through Wux, and those eye stalks are coming off, man. <laughs> yeah, he's he's, and again, it's it's a bad German accent, but of course Germany doesn't exist, so yeah, it's a perfect so... accent for where he's from. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> but... Um, oop, Jack, did you have something? 
Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so, um, as we are, uh, as we, uh, John and Thornton, are moving forward in our respective campaigns, um, I think that we'll be able to, I'm bringing in uh, one of your friends, actually, uh, so I think we'll be able to play the main game um, more consistently. Uh, yes. But if we do get to, to play that alt game again, and I hope we do, because Osric is a fun character, um, do do we have anything that we... Any, any ideas you might be brewing up or quandaries that you can't get over that uh, a seasoned DM like Jack might be able to help us out with? I know I've asked about like the a lot we spent a while talking about Osric's alignment because I struggled with that and I Jack is except he's the one of the best people that I know uh who plays evil characters so that was was helpful and insightful for me Mhm mm The really the the questions that I have are um it's important to me to design a campaign that I think my players will have fun in. And because of that, I think what I've done is I've created a campaign that I would have fun in. Um, but I tend to be a very combat-oriented player. And I really enjoy combat, and that's one of the one of the things that I like the most. And my characters are often very good at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I... where do I I draw that line between? Okay, this is a, you know, how if my if my players aren't having fun with this kind of format anymore, how would I then morph it? into something that's that's maybe a bit more more fun for them does that make sense as a question it, it does so 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 let me let me let me paraphrase a little bit and i'll use some video game or movie analogies right so this campaign sounds a lot like uh a diablo run very much okay yeah um and and at some point, um, and and no, I'm not going to say at some point. Uh, if your if your group loves that kind of dungeon crawly thing, um, there there is enough stuff in the monster manual uh, to to get them to level 17, and, and they will be happy, happy, happy. Uh, but if they if it gets a little boring, um, you might want to. Uh, just take and and this is this is this is kind of one of the things I do. I don't play a lot of homebrew. Like John, John and I have talked a lot about homebrew versus modules. Um, I'm a module guy because I don't do two hours of prep for every hour of play. I'm I'm good with about 15 minutes of prep for every hour Whoa. of play. Whoa! Um, wait, yeah, wait a second. Yeah. Wait a second. Is that just you rereading the chapter that you're playing that night? Is that it? That's all you do? Oh no, 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 no. So, so it's again with modules. Like I read the module. Um, I've read Skull and Shackles like three or four times. I think it's fabulous. Um, if I go to play Skull and Shackles, 
I will I will read the 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 module. That's not part of my prep. That's just fun time reading. Um, I'll probably sit down in in about fifty minutes, kind of sketch out an outline. This is probably what's going to happen in this session. Um, this is these are the the key information about the NPCs, and then uh, and then I'm done. I mean that's that's the reason why you pay fourteen dollars for for an adventure path from Pfizer. Right, that's that's the module life. All right, sorry, go back that's, to the question. That's the module life. Um, so, but so for for me, if if I was running a homebrew like that, and and it's like, hey, this is gonna, you know, hey, great, we kick down the door, we beat up the goblins, we take their stuff, we kick down the door, we beat up more goblins, and we take their stuff, and oh, the next room's got more goblins and a hobgoblin, and you know, <laughs> if they start getting stale on that, then I would um, either grab a piece of a module because I've got a shit ton of them on shelves or watch a fantasy movie or read a fantasy book and start thinking about something uh, a little bit different. Like it's still a dungeon and they still need to get from point A to point B right now. The reason they're going from point A to point B is because this wizard is forcing them to. Um, but what if, uh, and I'll, I'll I'll use Willow because that's one of my one of my favorite movies. Um, pick uh, through one of the through one of the doors. This lady runs in. She's being chased by wild dogs. Um, she chucks you a baby and then leads the dogs away. And I've got this baby in your arms, and you're like, oh, well now we've got to do this dungeon crawl thing. But we've got this. We can't we can't let the wizard find out about the baby. Uh, and so, so adding a little bit of a complication, um, mm -hmm. would, would, uh, that, that isn't necessarily combat oriented, um, where you've got like a child to something to protect, uh, or something to hide while you're continuing to do your, your dungeon crawl, or, um, maybe switch it over to a chase, like, um, the, something happens and the, Something distracted the wizard. It's his vacation. Hey, it's my two-week vacation. I'm going to an alternate universe to land, you know, to hang out in Bermuda. You guys are on your own. And now that's, there's that's nobody so versatile too. <laughs> yeah, no, that is. And and now there's a bunch of empty rooms, and you're gonna try and get through as many of these empty rooms as you can. Um, and but then again, give them a reason to go back. Like, oh crap. We're gonna look at all these rooms and try to figure out how to defeat the monsters and what might be here, um, but we've got to make sure we get back to the room we were in because he said, "I'm going on vacation for two weeks. You're stuck in this room. Here's a chest full of food. Don't leave." <laughs> and you Man. left, and now you've got to get back. So, so I think that's how you could spice it up by switching over, switching out either the reason why they're doing what they're doing. Um, kind of opening up the floodgates and letting them just go wild in, in a direction mm -hmm. uh, would, would work. Or uh, you throw in that NPC that generates the moral quandary um, and, and you, but depend and that, that'll depend on your, and yeah, all this depends on your group. Yeah. The right? baby idea is um, not like it, it's, it's a great idea. Like these are fantastic suggestions. The baby idea would not go over well. <laughs> Yeah. No, not for you. Maybe it would. Maybe it'd be hilarious. 
but but maybe there's a maybe there's an embarrassing instead of a baby maybe you find something that will embarrass the wizard like hey here's a picture of of the wizard from his you know hogwarts yearbook or something um and if he sees this during the final boss battle right he's gonna lose one of his his actions on a turn because he'll be embarrassed or something um and now you've got to hide that object from from all the other npcs Mm -hmm. or introduce a a macguffin to shuffle to uh sure yeah you throw in a macguffin a little bit and and get them thinking about that our party does like rp and exposition quite a bit um Mm -hmm. so you know maybe maybe tie in that give us an opportunity to have uh, like I know some of the rooms you've you've talked about, like doing more puzzles or, or traps. Maybe give us some sort of social, like the the wizard's cousin showed up and he was like, "Hey, he told me to wait here, but I don't really want to." And then I I, I don't know something from there, <laughs> a social situation perhaps. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I've always wanted to do and I've never had the chance to do it is is pull a Freaky Friday. Oh my god. So so I and I don't know the <laughs> other names of the people in your party, but like John's playing Osric. Osric and, and Bernard. And so so Or we could do whoever's a round playing Robin. Bernard. Just yeah, you take your character sheet and give it to him. You take your character sheet and give it to her. Everybody just shift to the left one. Oh wow. <laughs> and uh and and just like okay, the wizard has cast a spell. Your mind is now in Osric's body. Go. <laughs> I bet I bet he wished he gave me the plate armor now, huh? <laughs> wow, that's an awesome idea. What are you doing? Put my shirt back on. No, man, these things are fun to play with. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a female half orc. Do we? Uh, Raz. When when Callie plays. Oh yeah, yeah. That'd be oh man, that'd be that would be right. nuts. Yeah, Pulling I don't think movies. Those, you know half orcs is overly sexualized, but no, but that it would be that kind of like okay, you know, your your mind is now an ostrich's body. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. this armor's really How the hell do you do this? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you'd also then have to kind of learn on the fly how to play a new character for just today. And I think, right, and 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 that would actually kind of lead into that realistic. This this is where the the RP and the and the mechanics would be more realistic because yeah, John John knows how to play a paladin cold, um, but if he got put into a rogue's body, he's he's not going to look for the stealth and back backstab because that's not, not his play style. I mean, I, I, as I, John, the player know about those things, but if Osric, the character's head was in Bernard's body, Bernard is a bugbear rogue. He would, He 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 would probably not think or worry about that at all. He'd be he'd be like, "Why am I bleeding so much? This hair is obnoxious. Where's my armor?" 
What is that smell? Oh my god! Coughs up a hairball. Why do you wear this hat all the time? We're inside. <laughs> yes. But it, yeah, it, and and I mean that's just another. I mean that's one thing I've always wanted to do to a party. I just have never had the the opportunity. Again, most modules don't have a Freaky Friday room where you have to switch switch characters out. Yeah, and you might have more serious consequences if things go wrong in that case, where, like, well, if in other... Thornton's game, we do that and we all, like, kill each other because of it, it's kind of okay. Versus yeah, but if you had a find more people. campaign, mm -hmm. that would be sad. And then you mm -hmm. could hurt people's feelings, too. It's like, that was my, like, you got Delrea killed, and now I'm really, like, yeah, that'd Jack be... the player is mad at you, the, the other player. That's that's not cool. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why it's not never done. <laughs> it it would it's just a it'd be a tricky thing to DM, and you'd you'd have to have a lot of trust between your players. But in that game environment where it is just hey, it's a dungeon crawl. If you die, it's fine. Roll a new character. We're not super attached to them anyway. Um, that that could be could be cool. It could be cool. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, what what a prof what a great answer. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no that Yeah. Yeah, that's my answer. Rip off movies. <laughs> we all do it. Oh yeah. Oh I, yeah, absolutely. Hundred percent. Why reinvent the wheel? Mm-hmm. Um I'll pose you a question. Uh, and, and we talked about this a little bit um, uh, privately a couple weeks back, um, but I am uh, beginning to design the, I guess, a new campaign. I'm calling it ARC 2 because it's the same players that I've been playing with for two years now, but um, it's it's going to be a, a new story with with new characters and new goals and objectives and things. Um, and part of my uh, part of my design process for that is to tweak the things that I have gotten feedback on in in the main game so far. Uh, and so mm -hmm. I know that you guys prefer to have uh, a little bit clearer objectives, maybe not necessarily rails, but definitely less open-ended than I have given. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm writing a, a recap for Mark, uh, your friend who's joining us, um, so that I kind of have an idea of, of where the campaign has gone from start to finish up to this point. And that waiting chapter, with you guys waiting for the books to be decoded, was the yep. longest chunk. Um, and I didn't necessarily plan for that to be the case. So in this in the in the new arc, um, I'm trying to have it be uh, a little bit more focused. Um, but is Jack, do you have any suggestions on how I can still provide the, those tree branches? Because I really really like my players to have agency and choices, but I don't want it to be as open as this to the point where they didn't feel very 
you know, compelled or attached to what was happening in the main story? How how do I how do I rails without rails? But well, what you're what you're I I think the question isn't how do I rails without rails? I think the question is how do I develop a hook that will get people moving in a direction? Okay. Um, and and that's and that's kind of my like I, I've I've interacted with your with your world building and it's, and it's deep and it's got lots of stuff going on. Um, I, I think for the players' benefit, a, a little bit of I don't want to I want to say spotlight, but some like these are these things are really important. Um, and then that hook that puts them off into like this is this is where you should you should concentrate your effort next. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Versus, Try, versus drop specific I mean, leads. So, right. There's there's specific leads that are connected to uh these these basically you you put out the dots, right? Mm -hmm. Um here here are the dots I'd like you to follow. Here are some other dots that will get you to the same same general space, um, and here's the first two okay. lines. So that's that uh, versus... that that what you just said was very helpful um, because I had the dots for this one, but the space between the dot where they dropped the book off and the dot where they got the book back was very very mm -hmm. large, um, and I the the dots that they followed in the middle kind of led them in a squiggle and not in a direction. And I don't know, Thornton, you comment on this if I'm wrong, but I I feel like that felt maybe aimless for you guys. Yeah, oftentimes the party wasn't sure what we should be doing next. Okay. And there were certain dots we tried to follow that were just like, oh yeah, this this doesn't lead anywhere. Like, well, okay, I guess. Okay. I mean, as a player, and and John, you you've had me as a player a couple times. Mm -hmm. Like, if if you put me in a in a town, and I'm waiting for some some sage to do some scribing, like, I'll make my own trouble. And and I shouldn't use the word trouble, but I'll I'll make my own. I I'll start making my if I don't see where the next dot is and how to connect the two, I'll just start drawing my own dots, right? Yeah, which is uh, and I've and, I've done that to you before, which I think you enjoy to a point, but then if my dot starts going like, okay, you know, I as a cavalier of the shield, you know, that's I'm I'm thinking about my von Krumpus character, right? Mm -hmm. As a cavalier of the shield, I have to look out for the small folks. So while I'm waiting for, you know, nerd nerd Thompson the Sage to do his stuff, I'm gonna go off in out of the town into the surrounding farming communities and i'd like to talk to that farmer and that miller oh and that miller's daughter's pretty i might have to bite her and see if she'll donate some blood for my my damn fear flask and 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 you're like oh god man like please just stay in the damn town <laughs> i i think part of my dm style comes from from that too where i i know i know that if 
I have a gap in my story and you are at my table, I don't have to worry about it because you're going to fill that for me. Um, I'll fill that gap. And I, I, I maybe <laughs> asked more of my players than I should have in that, um, in that moment. And I think DM style. I, I've mentioned that a couple times, um, in in this episode and in in previous ones. Um, but I tend, I tend to do that because, and Thornton, you said that you made that campaign sort of with the idea of, I want my players to have fun. What would I have fun with? And that's mm -hmm. sort of a, I see that in a lot of like game design books that I read where the, a big suggestion in, in game design in general is, you know, make the game that you'd want to play. Um, and so I make the game that, I think I would have fun with, but that perhaps I I should take some of the tips from that previous session and 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 toe that line uh, a little bit less carefully and dip into things that I know my players would like, uh, like more more combat for you, Thornton, um, and and finally bringing the party to prosperous for Connie. Mm hmm. Okay, I can roll well, with that. Don't I mean? Don't, I mean, my my group when we were playing um, Curse of Strahd, we had almost almost two sessions, so close to six hours of just uh, putzing. We we call it putzing now. That's that's the term we're we starting to use within the group, right? So six hours of putzing in Barovia, like shopping and eating and like washing vegetables I, I and and it sounds stupid but we 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 bought a bunch of groceries and we were washing vegetables and we were having a lovely chat amongst the party and 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 by the end of it the dm's like okay enough like are you guys done and it's like well are we done like <laughs> do we have like is, is there something you know some Here's the holy mirror of Strahd, and when he looks into it, he freezes for ten seconds, and you get to beat him up or whatever. Like, you you tell us, have we hit all of the important numbers on your map? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, and he's like, yeah, 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 but I'm not gonna let you come back. Like, we're not coming back to town for a long, long time. You guys are in the woods for a while. So. <laughs> um, but. But some sometimes that can be valuable. But it does if it gets too long, um, then things go bad. Yeah, I think it's improving. I think I I have I made some some edits to to the, the campaign to try to reduce um, the time frames. Uh, so Thornton, for your reference, Giacomo is supposed to take it, it was three months a book and two months if he had all of them. So it would have been four months for the last two. Um, instead of the two and a half weeks for the last three, which mm -hmm. I, I, would have driven you guys crazy and would have taken another year. So, um, well, so so here's here's a question for you, John. Why not hand wave or do a do a fast forward? Well, so I I offered to do that, and and the party mm -hmm. kind of wanted to poke around. Um. I okay. don't know if that was because I had set up some of those dots that didn't end up going anywhere, and they saw the dots and were like, "Oh, we'll follow these instead of you know making our own." I don't, I don't know, Thornton. Can you answer that one? Yeah, um, 
you know, we we had to to borrow some uh, video game terms. You know, we had a, a optional quests in our quest log, mm-hmm. or we thought right. we did, and we followed some of them. And some of them, you know, for instance, the uh, the Drake Stone arc was was really fun, and that was good. Um, and the original Gizan arc. You know, Gizan Part One was was fun and good. Really? But then we tried. Yeah. No. Okay. I, 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 I don't that. know. It was a it was a mess. Oh no. We did not leave Gizan set up to succeed. No. We really messed up that place, and then we were politely asked to leave by those that remained alive. But, but... you had fun, <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my my character got locked inside a burning building with twenty people. He could just beat up. He was that cool was, with that. Yeah, Zazvit's ideal Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call it being surrounded. It's a target-rich environment. <laughs> but uh, nice. and we followed some of those leads, and those were fun. But then we got to a couple of the other ones and they just didn't pan out into anything and at that point we kind of we we lost focus on what we should be doing mm-hmm. um, and part of me writing that part was like there isn't a should like do whatever you guys want you're adventurers in a fantasy world have fun yeah no, there is some of that, but again, some of it is is like a lack of purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- I think the 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 princess missing set you guys off mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, to be fair, you guys did go to the place that she ran away from, so yeah, but we had no other leads. That's true. That's and true. we didn't get any leads there either, so. Like well, okay. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the crown in the the autumnal village was that was deemed too difficult, right? I mean, by party members who were not me. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. Z- Zazbet was ready to go in there. <laughs> huh. Nice. Yeah, no, this has been I. This has been great. Um, I definitely feel like I have have learned some things and gotten some help. Yeah, I've got um, some good ideas. And it's been nice to get the insight from a new DM. I'm sure that anybody listening trying to prep for their first game has... I guarantee that there's something useful in this episode. Uh, as we sort of get to the end here, do you guys have any any last thoughts, helpful tips, anything else that you want to chat about? No, I think I'm good. I think we've yeah, we've covered yeah. most of it, yeah. All right. Well, as we tend to do, I will go ahead and just reiterate that the most important thing is that everybody have fun, and if somebody's not having fun, you have an honest discussion about it and uh, and make some changes for your group. Uh, this week we're gonna have we're we're playing a, a bonus session on Friday, so. We'll be able to push our story forward a little bit and uh, get your buddy in uh, for Sunday. Hopefully introduce that character. Um, I think we're up to like a a 70% chance that it'll happen. So um, 
I am all set to do the outro unless you guys have anything any last things if you want to plug anything that you are doing um no all right well, no man i'm good all righty uh so thanks a whole lot for listening uh if you'd like to comment on the show ask a question join in on the conversation uh please feel free to uh tweet at me at jm scoda5 or at red hoodie games uh, you can visit redhoodygames5.wordpress.com on the off weeks of the show for alternating weekly content for tabletop roleplay games. Um, and if you'd like to uh, support what we're doing here any more than just listening, please head on over to uh, patreon.com slash skoda. Uh, anything that you can donate is fantastic, and even at the $1 level, you gain access to the uh, the patron discord where you can chat with us and ask questions that we'll answer on the show uh, and whatever else we feel like talking about. Uh, so this has been Set the Table, Episode 10. Thank you for being our first guest, Thornton, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Good day. Bye.